0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Yeah. 2 hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host Kevin Foot. Welcome
1: into Footnotes, Kevin Foot on The Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station your home For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, you can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706 0111. 706 0111 on, um, I'm going to go ahead and say, glorious Tuesday morning. Obviously. I still have a lot of anger and angst towards what took place in the Superdome on Sunday, but the Astros did clinch a division title. It was not any, there was not any suspense or anything. It was just a matter of time. Obviously, they went into yesterday's game with a 15-game lead, and so, you know, we've all known for some time that the Astros were going to win the AL West title, but I also like to appreciate what's been done. I texted um, my daughter Riley last night, who's a big Astro fan. And I said, do you realize when I was your age, the Astros had been to the playoffs three times and lost all three series. And last night, they made... The playoffs for the seventh time in the last eight season, And in the last five years, they've either made the worst they've done is make the ALCS. Now, with that said, and, and with three World Series appearances, now with that said, when I was her age, there was none of this playoff stuff. Like you, you won your, you either won your division or you didn't go to the playoffs. And if you won your division and you went directly to the NLCS, it was a little different. It was a little more challenging back then. But she said, "Man, your life stunk." <laughs> like well, but it also, you know, having to wait so long for the for the Saints' first playoff uh, victory, series win. Having to wait so long for the first World Series appearance and then the second and then the third and then the fourth um, and, and having to wait so long for the Saints to have a winning season and to win a playoff game and then to win a Super Bowl and then to become one of the elite teams over a period of time uh, in the league, it, it, I, I appreciate it so much better. I, just, I don't feel like I'm an elitist fan at all. I totally appreciate what, what, what's what been done. And I think my perspective is different. Like, the whole argument um, that I have with family members, Michelle especially, all the time, is that I'd rather make the Super Bowl and lose than not make the Super Bowl. And they say, oh, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I'm not. I would rather make the Super Bowl and lose. I mean, losing in the World Series is not fun. But... I'd rather make the World Series and lose than not make the World Series. And, and just because, in my mind, at some level, I'm still the fan of teams that everyone told me couldn't do anything. Like, they did the Astros and all this silly stuff. Oh, the Saints and the bags and all that silly stuff that people still say. So, it, when when they accomplish big things, I, 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 I appreciate it. And so, yeah, I certainly appreciate the unbelievable consistency that the Astros have had over the last, you know, eight years. They had that one year where they had a winning season, but they didn't make the playoffs. It was a medicine season, and they were, you know, that medicine seasons happen. That's, that's that's the way it, the way it goes. But um, the Bengals will learn that. Um, but no, I, I just. Was able to watch the end of the game, see a little bit of the celebration, and just soak in the fact that they've become this kind of a team that it's just almost a given that they're gonna be in the playoffs. Now, one of these years it's gonna end, it's not gonna last forever. But um but still a pretty nice run. And so certainly appreciate that. Now, you know, El Pedro was hitting. I I hope it continues. We'll see. Again, my my biggest fear right now is that the Astros are becoming the Braves of the 90s, where, although I think the Astros' bullpen is better, which is good, but where they're really set up for 162 because their pitching is normally really good. And so over 162 games... Pitching kind of wins over. You're going to win a lot of games just because you pitch well. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything in a series. And so now last year when the Astros went into the World Series, they didn't have Verlander and they didn't have McCullough. So they went into the World Series last year with only one of what would be their top three pitchers going into the playoffs this year. So theoretically, you know, they were a pitching team last year without their pitchers. And they were able to hit their way into the world series, but they, 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 with all the hard guns, (laughs) that big moose that the Braves had, they just, they just, they just didn't, they couldn't hit, they couldn't hit their way through the, through the world series. So, Hopefully, they'll pitch a little better this year. Um, We'll see. But we'll get to that in a few weeks. For now, certainly appreciate what they've done. So, here's someone else I know that can. Let's go to the game hotline for our old friend, Bankrupt Dave. How are you, sir?
2: Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. I'm happy like you are. It is. I would uh, go back 43 years if you want some consistency. Since 1980, the Astros have now been in postseason. This will be the 16th time only five franchises have done better.
1: See, I didn't know what that number was. So only five teams have made the world, the playoffs more than the since Astros. I was a freshman in high school than the Astros. Right. Wow.
2: That is correct. Uh, the Yankees, Reds, you can you almost guess who they are. Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Cardinals, Braves. But yeah. now the A's have been 16 times, so we caught them. But
1: They're you know, so weird, though. They've had so many losing seasons in addition. You know, the A's are normally either really good or really bad. They're like exactly. hardly ever yeah. in the middle, and the Astros have been in the middle a lot over there. Exactly,
2: yeah. But we've been pretty good, though. I mean, uh, only 13 losing seasons in the last 44 years, starting with 79. I don't think people realize that. This is not a downtrodden franchise, as I've seen them referred to as. Um, This has been a pretty good, you know, maybe not, maybe not a lot of great teams, but really a lot of good teams.
0: Right? So they've
2: had starting starting in 1979 when they almost won the West. Um, So this is, you know, this really is nothing new if you think about it. They're also seven games above 500 all time as a franchise.
1: Yeah, uh they've been making a big deal of that in the last few weeks and it's not something I ever thought a whole lot about until they brought up but if you think about it the first 6 or 7 years they were they were just deplorable so they got off to a horrible start and then when they finally caught up and got over 500 after that that streak in 5 and 6 7 and then they 2006
2: was the only yeah.
1: And then and then they and then they had the three years where they lost 100 games for the first time in Major League history, and then so that Correct. set them back again, and so now they finally caught up. Yeah, no, right. that's, that's cool. The
2: significance of that, in my opinion, is that there are 14 expansion teams, and we're the only ones that are above 500 lifetime. The wow. Blue Jays are close. The Blue Jays are about 30 below, and the Angels are about 45 below. The, other, the rest of them are all 100 below or more.
1: So the Mets are below as well.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, um, more than a hundred. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's cool.
2: Yeah, we, only the Astros, Angels, and Blue Jays are, are close to five hundred. We're the only. We're we're the only ones that are above. So.
1: I just hope that um, you know. I just hope they hit in the postseason I and, and give themselves a chance. But we'll see.
2: But you're right about one thing. It's nice to. It'll be nice to have McCullers and Verlander together. In you know, in public because that hadn't happened since 2018, and it seems like one of them is always out. So right. we'll see how that goes. So,
1: I just need Lance McCullough to stop this. Okay, I think I'll just walk two or three straight batters here. Like he just
2: seems to, <laughs> he's still fine. Kevin. Out of the blue, he's still... it's like, oh, I
1: think I'll just walk two or three in a row here. See yeah. what can happen.
2: Yeah, I think all that inactivity may have been, he's still he's still trying to get the rust out, so to speak. Yeah, at least I hope that's what it is. So.
1: I appreciate the info as always, sir. Thank you very much. Good talking to you. Certainly. Bankrupt Dave. I was talking with Bankrupt Dave on the air before Hannah was even born, I think. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. That's funny. Oh, man. But, no, certainly uh, appreciate that. Uh, Mets, speaking of baseball, Mets win last night. And the Braves win. It's get again. That's going to be a fun race down the stretch. And I, like a lot of people, um, kind of thought the Mets would have already been caught and passed, but it hadn't happened yet. Um, and so it is, um, it's gonna be fun i mean you know it's nice to uh it's nice to have where the last week or so there's some big baseball games and really this year is not going to be a whole lot and and really the best chance for one looks like it's going to be the division and i know both of them are going to be in the playoffs but the way it's set up this year there's some there's some pretty big advantages to to winning the division over being a wild card so I, i i do think that um I do think they're going to be playing hard to get that. I think there's something to be to be gotten there for sure um, for the Mets and the Braves, so that'll be fun to follow. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. We'll have one more segment here with calls, and then we are going to be talking Astros baseball with Michael Schwab about 935. And then again, Cody Juno at 1015. We're talking Cajun football. Lots to discuss with Cajun football after the – 15-game winning streak goes by the wayside in pretty ugly fashion. And so we got a lot to talk with Cody about, about 10-15. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello.
3: Well, I'm not going to tell you hello or good morning because I'm not very happy with y'all.
1: You're not happy you, with us.
3: Oh, no. You, Stevie P, all the Astro fans, we welcomed y'all into our home and y'all were just very
1: rude guests. <laughs> Well, look, we haven't had much success there in recent years. So
3: I mean, we tried to give y'all baseball. Altuve said he didn't want it, so he put it in the stands. Yeah. Y'all broke Harold a Barrel's bat. And y'all 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 made us run around the bases and stop at third.
1: <laughs> yeah. But but a Harold Barrel got two doubles in that game.
3: Oh, yeah. Harold a That kick can hit.
1: Well, I don't know. it's just it wasn't fun. Now now overall. Like he bankrupt was talking about. I mean, I know y'all started off awful, but you won a lot of games. Are, are y'all anywhere near? Like, how how far under five hundred are y'all overall? Have you ever looked at that? No, I have not looked at that. Um, I try not to remember the devil ratings. <laughs> I don't blame you.
3: <laughs> those are um, not very fun. You remember those days when I used oh. to? I, I think you used to feel so sorry for me at the office when I I post up. My goal was just to get to seventy wins. I just wanted seventy wins.
1: Yes, no, that and was and that was a task. But but again, it those days help you appreciate what you've got right now, where you're almost in the playoffs every year.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I but I don't I don't like thinking about it. It's not it, it, it's see, really, yeah, that's just different. I, I was about talking
1: about I was talking to a, I interviewed a high school coach over the weekend, and I brought up to him how you know normally I've lost a lot of these games in the past. He says, "Yeah, right, great, thanks for bringing it up." I said, "Well, no." Having lost these kind of games and now you won one makes you appreciate what you just did. He goes, "Oh no, it makes me." I'm mean, like, "Y'all, y'all just real, y'all too negative." Oh man, look, I,
3: I look now. Y'all got your little, div- y'all, y'all got your little division championship out the way. Now y'all, can, we're gonna invite y'all to dinner again tonight. We're gonna <laughs> give y'all another chance.
1: Oh, it's, it's gonna be a medicine game for us tonight. We just had the little celebration and all that silliness. So yeah, we, well, look, y- y'all,
3: are y'all are gonna win today.
1: y'all are gonna win today.
3: Man, we gotta win! But do you see what I was saying? Now that you got to watch a game with us pitching, we don't throw many balls, my lord. No, <laughs> we come right at you, and it's you know, I mean, when we throw balls, chances are it's a ball that got away from us. But we don't, we don't walk many bats. You got to come up there swinging.
1: Well, um, and you know, they they, actually, they didn't have a great offensive game, but they did enough with the pitching they had. So. It was good, but, no, y'all win tonight, so we'll see what happens. Astros hadn't lost a series in a while, though, so I don't know what's going to happen in, on, on Wednesday, but we will see.
3: Well, good luck the rest of the way. All right,
1: same to y'all. All right. Eric Narcisse, Rays fan. Great story. He uh, when he, When he started becoming, when he became a part-timer in the advertiser, he was, you know, one of these what I affectionately call football neos, and I'm like, cat, baseball's way better than football and he's like what and i and and then i got him into baseball and um he he said okay if i'm gonna be a baseball fan i cannot pull for anyone that had anything to do with the uh 94 season where they didn't have a world series so at that time there were two expansion teams the diamondbacks and the and well then the devil rays they called them and he um he said he picked the rays over the diamondbacks now initially it looked like a bad decision because the Diamondbacks had quick success. They, you know, they got Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, and they they won the World Series in what was that? Oh one. But uh, since then, in the last ten to fifteen years, he actually ended up making the right decision because the Rays have had more success than the Diamondbacks and been way more consistent. So, um. It's uh, it's been fun, but and it's really, it's really not like when the A's played the when the Astros played the the Rays in the in the uh, ALCS. It's just kind of uncomfortable, but it is what it is. All right, well we'll take a timeout, Come back one more segment before we get to Michael Schwab about nine thirty-five, talking more Astros. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers in the Houston Astros.
0: Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back. To footnotes Kevin Foot on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We mentioned this yesterday, I want to remind you if you would like to win four tickets, family a family pack of four tickets. That could be hard to say sometimes, depending on how you what order you put the words in. To the world famous Angola Prison Rodeo. I've heard a lot about it. I've seen specials on it on television. Never been there. Uh, go to the game. One zero three seven Lafayette. One zero four one Lake Charles. Would like for you to do it. It is Sunday, October the second. The way that you do it is to text a text Rodeo R D O. R-O-D-E-O to 337-283-8100. Text Rodeo to 283-8100. You might win a family pack of four tickets to attend the Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of the Game 1037-Laviette-1041-Lake-Charles. All right. uh, Got a few minutes in this segment here to take more phone calls. If you would like to... Call the game hotline at 706 0111. We talked a little bit about baseball, and we're going to be talking more. It's probably good for me. Do a little baseball talk with the postseason right there. Um, It's um, get my mind off of football a little bit. We'll be getting back to football uh, in the second hour with Cody Juno. And again, if you would look, if you want to call about. NFL or you know any football certainly feel free to call again the number is seven zero six zero one one one. Um, last night I was flicking, as my old friend Big Dave would say, and I watching the Astro game, keeping up with what was going on. And I I look I am the crusader for we're in preseason football, and we are. I really believe that. But the games just count. And what I mean, you know, I think some people, a lot of times I say things over and over and over and over and over again, and people don't really understand what I'm saying. Now, somebody said, well, that's your fault. Well, Maybe I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying, you know, I, I just got off texting people. I've said the same stuff for years, and they still don't get it. They just don't get it. I've been saying the same stuff for 30 something years and they still don't get it. But anyway, um, it is the, um, when I say preseason, what I mean, I, I, I saw a headline yesterday that kind of illustrates what I'm, what I'm meaning by this. I saw, how, what did we learn from week two? Well, we learned nothing. That's what we learned. Now, Again, in my in my estimation, we learned nothing. Now, you say, Well, what do you mean you learned nothing? you didn't see how good the Bills look? What you didn't know going in the Bills were good? Well, what do you mean? Look at the look at the Bengals. They're 0 two. They were in the Super Bowl. Uh I told y'all about medicine seasons how long ago? I, I, who who didn't think that was going to happen? Now, it's not that I knew who was going to win every game. But we didn't learn anything. We're not going to. Now, we learned injuries. We learned that, like I said, Trey get that's real. Doesn't matter whether it's a preseason mode game or, or a midseason. We haven't learned anything about anyone. Because no one right now, good or bad, the way they're playing is 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 what they're going to be a month, two months from now. Because we, it, it's not just them; it's the teams they're playing against. You say, "Well, so and so threw the ball so great," it's because the def- the secondary they're playing against was still in preseason mode. It's not just you; it has to do with your opponent as well. Like some teams traditionally get off to to fast starts, other teams don't. Most teams kind of don't. But if you're playing a team who's got two or three new guys in the secondary and you throw all over them in week two, that doesn't mean if you play them in week ten you're going to throw all over them because they're going to be better then. It's not just you. It's your opponent as well. It's like we're in preseason mode football. So do the games count? Of course they do. Why do you think I'm so angry if this was a real preseason game? I would not be that angry that the Saints got cheated Sunday. I would not be that angry that Superman fumbled at the ten yard line going in in a three to three game or whatever the score was at the time. Wouldn't have been. So it counts, but assessing who these teams are is futile. I think the first game, I think week four is when you said, well, you know what, this is that might be who the, who the team is before then we don't we don't know we 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 just don't know it's just there's they're in preseason mode they're just playing their way through it. you just hope that you can get as many wins as you can until you become who you are. That's what I mean by these are preseason games, of course they count, but I don't think we're learning a whole lot about too many of these teams, but with all that said. <laughs> With all that said, I know one thing. The Saints are not capable of beating the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, that, that's not a preseason thing, a regular season thing. Um, the Saints have zero chance of beating the Philadelphia Eagles unless all their players get hurt. Well, I guess I can't say zero. If all their offensive players get hurt, if Jalen Hurts gets hurt, if they're all hurt, then maybe the Saints could beat them. But if they're reasonably healthy, they have zero chance of beating the Philadelphia Eagles. Zero. Uh, so that's a loss. So we know that. We can say that. And, you know, I didn't end up picking the Bills, even though I, I kind of hope the Bills do go to the Super Bowl. I just – I'm so anti-making predictions. I'm so anti with the whole, you know, everyone in the country's thinking. I I just – that just bothers me. So um I didn't end up picking them, even though, man, today look good. Now, they're going to have some bad games. No one Steams rolls through a whole season, but they told me, you're an idiot. If you pick Josh Allen over Christian McCaffrey, you're an idiot. Well, I might be an idiot, but I'm having a lot more fun with Josh Allen than I am with Christian McCaffrey that I had the last two years, I can tell you that much. And Christian McCaffrey's actually playing right now. And I'm still having a whole lot more fun with Josh Allen than I am when I had Christian McCaffrey on my team. Christian McCaffrey. Speaking of McCaffrey, his brother had a lot of... Um, his brother had a lot of um, success against the Cages, and we'll get into that in the next hour with Cody. Um. So we'll see how it plays out, but but man, the Bills look good. (laughs) They just do. They are they're still not running the football. I just I still think at some point, and I could be wrong, maybe that maybe he's so good and their passing game is so good. I still think at some point, especially in the postseason, when you're if the weather's bad and you're facing really good teams, you gotta be able to run the football. Like they don't run the football at all. And by the way, before we get to a a, a timeout and, and get to Michael. I, uh, it, I, I, to me, I don't know if my look, and I'm, I'm getting old, and so it's possible it's my eyes. But in all, in a bunch of the games that I've seen this year, it seems like there are players on both sides of the ball that are jumping early, like nonstop, and it's ne- it's not being called. I'm like is this my eyes playing tricks on me? And then last night when the Titans scored their one touchdown, the, the their offensive line jumped. And finally they're like I'm like is this my eye? And then finally the announcer said, "You know, that guy left early." I'm like, "Yeah. People have been leaving early like crazy in all the games I've watched, high school, college, and the, and the NFL. It's like it's almost like there was some sort of memo sent out where okay, we're not going to call when guys leave early." And I don't Is it just me? I've just been seeing guys, defensive linemen um, in the neutral zone and offensive linemen jumping early like crazy hadn't been called so far at all the levels I've seen. It's been weird. And it happened again that the the poor Titans probably shouldn't have scored any points last night because the one touchdown they scored, I'm telling you, their, their guard left early. He jumped. It's weird. They haven't been calling it at all levels. It's weird. Either that or my eyes are really deceiving me. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. Want to have a little time with Michael Schwab talking Astros baseball, the Box Journal. We'll take a timeout and hopefully get connected with him on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.
0: Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Oh! Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot
1: take basketball. It's way too subjective.
0: More footnotes coming up on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes Kevin Foot on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros Speaking of the Astros I want to tell you you're running out of time if you have not registered for the Ast- final Astro weekend giveaway Astros will be playing the Rays as they are right now this time it'll be in Houston on Saturday October the 1st The Game Rewards Club if you join it, you could win four tickets to the Astros-Rays game on Saturday, October 1st, tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations. The last Astro Weekend getaway, powered by Butcher Air Condition in La Meridian, in Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right. We have with us Michael Schwab of the Juke's Box Journal. How are you, sir?
4: Oh, I'm great. I'm even... Greater knowing that the Astros have clinched the AL West in a bye first round of the playoffs. How Absol- are you doing,
1: uh, Very well. By the way, you reminded me of something the last time you were on that I, I have neglected to do. So let's, let me do it now at the beginning so before we move forward and start talking about Astros. Let people know how they can access all the great stuff you do, and then we'll talk about the Astros.
4: Oh, I appreciate that, Kevin. So, yes, I think the best way to find me is on Twitter, and that's at Michael Schwab 13 And when you come to my profile, you'll see a little place that says Juicebox Journal. Subscribe here. Please click. Subscribe. i got all Astros info. I go live every Friday. We wrap up the week, do some fun things in there, and just check out my Twitter account, mostly just tweeting about the Astros and silly great things that they do. Thanks for the shout-out, Kevin. All
1: right. I appreciate you um, coming on. Um, Sometimes I get so worried about the bottom line, I forget that part. But anyway, so um, (laughs) uh, obviously I was commenting in the first segment about how, you know, how unbelievable this run that the Astros have been on. And, you know, they did some celebrating last night, but obviously they've known for some time they were going to win this division. And yet, they do have, I think the cool thing is guys like Hector Neris, who's never been in the playoffs before, or a young guy like Hunter Brown, who just came up, he's never experienced. That's the cool part of this deal.
2: It
4: is the cool part about this, and it just shows you the culture of this team. You know, for the people who, the players who've been on it for years, this is kind of expected. And now fans are expecting it, too. You know, like, if we don't, if we're not, AOS division champs, then we're not doing something right. I think that's a good place to be in, but for these players to come to the team and you look like Ryan Stanek last year, uh, other ones who didn't get to experience winning like this, it's a whole thing for them, and it's it's changing and it changes them. And you know, it, it, it's exciting culture to be at a part of. You can see how they celebrated last night. You can tell this team loves each other, and I, I think. They do their best when they're not the perceived best in the entire major leagues. And that's kind of what this group has. There, You can see some humility. You can see that they love the game. And, you know, it's inch by inch, moment by moment. But let's be honest, they're the best team in the AL and arguably could be the best team in the major leagues. So I think that's where the playoffs are going to show off.
1: Well, you know, one, some of the things that we've talked about in, in recent weeks and, and about the last month is the ups and downs of the hitting. Um, Alvarez, who we call Ed Pedro Grande on this show, has been totally turned it around for a long time, and he just looked like he was lost and he was swinging at everything. And lately he's been just crushing the ball, so that's great to see. Um, Bregman's still hitting, and uh, Icky uh, Tucker is still hitting. So is there anything you're worried about, or do you feel like this offense is where it needs to be going into the final few weeks of the regular season?
4: You know, for, I, I started looking into this a little bit because I think it's a hot topic to talk about hitting for the Astros. And, you know, let's just be straight up honest. In regard to historical data for this team, the 2022 team is nothing compared to years prior 2021, there was an excellent hitting team. 2019 is arguably the best Astros team that's ever been on a field. Now, here's something that's interesting, and if you can go to Baseball Savant, which is great for the nerds like me who want more data on baseball, and there's a section talking about MLB drag on the ball, so forcing balls and what drag seems and, and altering the balls. And so when you hear the term, like a, a juiced ball. It means that the ball flies much further than it did. And when you hear that there's more drag on the ball, uh, then that means that it's not flying as much. So 2022 is a pitcher's year because if you look at this data, the balls aren't flying like they used to. But in 2019, they were being smashed. And that's the year the Astros had the best offense. So I, I'm curious to see if those had if we had those 2019 balls in 2022, what would the team look like? Here's how I truly feel about it. The pitching itself is the best Astros pitching they've ever had in the history. If the, if the season ended today, it'd be the best ERA that uh, the staff has ever had in the Astros history and the best bullpen and starting individually. So what they're doing with the ball fielding wise and pitching wise is astronomical and will do well in the playoffs. hitting wise. I'm not too worried because I think our big guys are still doing great. All Altuve's doing great. He had a homer last night. Breggy's on fire. He's in, con- he's in contention for Silver Slugger at third base. Jordan seems to be feeling comfortable again. And what's blowing my mind is Maldi just going nuts. He, had, he was four for four with a homer the other day at four RBI. This is madness. And I think he sees that Vasquez is there. He's got to show up. I think they're turning it on right when it needed to happen.
1: You know, I want to get back to that pitching thing, because that's something I meant to talk about a couple of weeks ago, and we didn't get to it, and that is, you know, there's a new pitching coach, and and, and Strom was so well-respected and did such a great job, and and I still don't understand all what happened, but it, you know, he it sounded like he left a little prematurely. But anyway, he went to Arizona, and he made they made strides there. He certainly had a positive impact on the Diamondbacks pitching staff, and yet, obviously, Miller learned a lot because not only have they maintained, you know, like you say, they could arguably got even better.
4: That's exactly right. And, I, and you know, just to give you a little scoop on what happened with with Strom, Stromi is still close with the team and he's you know all the guys love and respect him there was no ill will what i got from sources was that he was either retiring or doing something in in arizona which is where he's from now the thing what happened was that when he you know when the season ended they needed a place for bill murphy and josh miller to step up josh miller news new head, his new pitching coach and You know, they would have lost one of those guys if Strami didn't leave. So it was kind of an understanding for him to retire or find a new place in Arizona, and for the new guys to come up. And those guys are doing the work. Josh Miller himself, he's an analytics guy. He works hand in hand with these guys. He He was with the minors with them. He was, you know, you know, a bullpen pitching coach. He just stepped right into the role, and that just shows you the depth of the team. It's not just so much player depth. It's also development depth and coaching depth. You saw we have three um, hitting coaches now who came through the minor league system as well. Everyone knows each other well. They all believe what they're doing, and it's working for pitching. They took what Strami put in place, and they're all falling through it. They have incredible scouting, incredible analytics. They, and even more importantly, Kev, the pitchers believe it. And when the pitchers believe it and trust the system, and you got people like Justin Erlander who trust the system, then they can do their best because they believe in analytics. And, and there's nothing like this on any team. You look at Hunter Brown, who's going to be rookie of the year next year. I'm calling it right now. I stamp on it. He's just waiting in the wings because the pitching's so good. So that's the thing to see is that they're a juggernaut, and that's going to show in the playoffs. And it's a system-wide that it's so good.
1: All right, so early on, Urquidy was getting hit really hard. The Mariners, the Mariners roughed him up early, and then he started kind of focusing more on other pitches, and then he had an incredible run during the summer. Well, his last three or four outings, he's looked more like he did in the first month of the season. Is there any cause for concern there? And where does that place him in the postseason picture, do you think?
4: So here's the thing about Jose uh, You know, Urquidy is an incredible location pitcher, He doesn't have the crazy stuff, but he's really great about getting, you know, swings and misses in the strike zone. The biggest problem that Ortiz had in the month of September, who's got an ERA of six over three starts, is that he's not getting swings and misses. He's not getting strikeouts in the zone, and he's walking people. That's a problem. In August, he had an ERA of three, which is much more lines than what he should do. You know, KD, if he just allows three runs a game, he also has the highest run support. That's okay. But if he's allowing six ERA, that's not where you want to see it. My biggest thing that I've seen with him is just that he's lacking the control for the strike zone. He's not controlling his pitches as well. His fastball is not getting as many spin on it. So he's been an up-and-down pitcher this year. It's like he's got one month he's great, one month he's off. He's excellent in the playoffs. I think right now it's between Arcidi, Javier, and Garcia for that fourth spot. Arcidi might get it because of his experience. Javier goes to the bullpen because he can do it, and it looks like Garcia may be left off the ALDS just because of the schedule. There are great, but you got to look at the history, and I think Arcidi can be able to figure it out. Or the playoffs?
1: Do you feel like, and really, it's in the regular season as well, but especially for the playoffs, in the bullpen, you need guys that can strike batters out.
2: I
4: mean, you know, in the playoffs, the biggest thing is that everyone's got data on each other because you're playing each other. You know, seven games, five games, so everyone has data. So the biggest thing that you need in the playoffs is you need you need high. You know, Miles hour pitches in the bullpen. You need people that come in that can throw 98, 99, and you need people that can strike them out. And so, uh, you know, what's going to happen for the bullpen is you've got to throw anything at them to get them out. Now, they moved – it was Colin McHugh, they moved to the bullpen. They did great work in the playoffs. You know, that's where you need people who can get batters out. And it, it doesn't matter if they're a starting pitcher or not. So that's where Hunter Browner's going to – Hunter Brown's going to do great a the bullpen, hopefully, because he can throw it well. Brian Abreu as well. Uh, you try to see if you can do Garcia in the bullpen. You just want to put someone in there who can strike a batter out, throw good stuff at him, and, and that's all that matters. If you have more starting pitchers in the bullpen, because all you care about is just getting those batters out, then you do what you do. I mean, look at Lance McCullers in 2017. So it's it's – a different monster in the playoffs, it's not about how far you can go. It's about how quickly can you get people out, how quickly can you win.
1: Do you think Mayton will be on the playoff roster with Hunter Brown now and with Abreu pitching like he has?
4: I think he's one of the pitchers who could be on the chopping block. It could be between Will Smith and Mayton. Uh But I think he might make it for the D.S., uh, Hunter Brown, no question, I think is going to make it to the bullpen, and they've been trying him at that position through AAA all year. But it, it, I think everyone – I think you can get Brown, uh, Maton, and Abreu in there and even Will Smith. i got to look at the numbers. But, yeah, if anything, it might be a Maton who, who drops because of the rise of Abreu. And, and that's just an exciting story that we've talked about with this. Last week, or the week before, right. Abreu's just showing incredible stuff, and probably taking up a, a, a tons of role. I mean,
1: right, we'll right when I was like, "Okay, I'm done with Abreu," like about a month or two ago, whenever that was, and he's pitched fabulous since then. So maybe I need to say that about, "Oh, I'm done with you." and Then they just pitched great. It's unbelievable, <laughs> but no, he's he's been he's been great. Hopefully, he can keep it up. All right, so it'll be, it get, it, it get we're, you know, we've kind of been in cruise control, so it's fixing to get fun in a few weeks. I appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you very much.
4: Thanks, Kevin. You have a good one. Okay, you too. Take
1: care. Take care. Michael Schwab of the Jukebox Journal. Uh, I don't know. I think there's going to be some interesting, I don't know what they're going to do with Smith or Maton. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on Footnotes on the Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin. Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Again, uh, well, we won't have time for calls. We will have time for calls in the first segment and the third segment of the next hour. We will be talking with Cody Juno about ten fifteen, a weekly visit about Cajun football. Want to tell you, Astros will be playing once again. They won four to none last night, clinched the AL. West division title officially first pitch is set for 540 today and once again and you can listen to it live right here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles again normally the game after a celebration like that uh, kind of a medicine game so I expect the Astros to lose tonight but it's kind of a you know it matters because they're playing games, but as long as everyone is healthy, I mean, you got a you got a big lead on the Yankees. You've clinched your division. There's not really a whole lot to play for from here on out, unless you just like go on a 10-game losing streak. Then there could be um, something to play for, but uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. But uh, but no, I don't think they're gonna win tonight. But you know, we'll see. Uh, the good thing is they got guys playing well. I really think Will Smith's going to be interesting. I, I don't know what they're going to do with Will Smith. Because you get them to get, try to theoretically to get left-handers out, um, and yet you have right-handers who can get left-handers out, and ironically, Maton's one of them. So if I, I kind of feel like they're either going to have Maton or – Will Smith on the roster because somebody's got to get good left-handed, especially pinch hitters out in uh, late in a game, and and uh, so you know it's going to be more strategic. And Michael brought up a point that I think um, it, it, it is that it could be different, a different like one pitcher or two pitchers might be on the ALDS roster, but maybe not on the ALCS roster if they advance or if they advance to the World Series. In other words, it might not be the same pitchers at every round of the playoffs if they continue to advance. You know, it's, it, it, you say, well, who's going to make the playoff Russell. Well, it might depend on the round. So that'll be interesting to see how they play that and the matchup. You know, some guys might have more left-handers, hitter teams than, than others. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they handle that. But, no, I, I think Miller, like we talked about, the pitching coach, is one of the unsung heroes of this team. We don't talk a lot about him. You don't talk a lot about pitching coach and hitting coaches anyway, but um, somebody's done a really, 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 really good job, no question. Now, you know, it helps. <laughs> it helps that Verlander was back and that McCullers came back, but still, he did a good job. That's, that'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros, again, simulcast on Stadium, 32.3 or 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, certainly this is a tremendous time to do so. If you want to talk football or baseball, whatever level you would like to discuss, certainly feel free to call. I don't – was that a good idea last night? I don't know. Uh, To play two Monday night games, kind of one started about halftime, wasn't exactly, but roughly around halftime. They did a – every once in a while they do a little split screen thing. Of course, the bad – I guess the bad – I guess it it worked out well because unless you're just like a huge Bills fan – um, the game was over pretty quick. Not really, not like in the first quarter, but, you know, by really, you know, 10 to 12 minutes to go in the third quarter, the game was over. So, I guess if you're just a football fan, it wasn't a real tough decision to just flip it to, um, to the Eagles, Vikings game, of course, that game didn't go so well either in terms of being close and competitive. So um man. I actually, I I thought about the Eagles as my play as my Super Bowl prediction in the preseason. Um But The one thing that made me say no is that I don't think every team in the league struggles with that kind of offense as badly as the Saints do. You know, I I was thinking, you know what, I might be a little too high on the Eagles just because they absolutely own the Saints. But just because the Saints can't beat the Eagles doesn't mean other teams can't beat the Eagles because matchups are different. So that that's why I didn't pick the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl, um, but I, it would not shock me if they if they did. Um, I still, if we had to re-pick, I don't think I would pick them, but I'd consider them, just like I did before. I, I just I just think probably Tampa if they would play them. And the cheaters, I think they would match up better for whatever. Reason. I don't know what the, I don't know what it is about the Saints. Luke and I talked about that last week. I, I don't have any idea. I mean, I guess the Saints aren't the most athletic team, but I don't think they're like a slow defense. I, I just don't know why, what it is. I, I, I think part of it is they're so built to stop. You know the kind of offense that the Yucks run with a traditional pocket quarterback you know they're 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 built to stop that kind of defense they're not really built to stop an athletic running quarterback for whatever reason it's just it, it just messes them up so it's just it's it it's I don't know what's gonna happen there but we'll, but we'll see um so no the Eagles the, they are off to a running start, um, and so and so were the Bills. So the two games were kind of eh, almost like college football games, really, kind of blow out But uh, that's going to happen here and there. It doesn't happen a whole lot in the NFL, but it obviously happened some because it happened twice last night. You don't get a whole bunch of that, but you get some of it for sure. Now, one thing that we didn't do – yesterday, because we spent all day talking about the Saints, and we needed to, um, was, man, there were some... The the Raiders, like, they're up 23-7 to going to the fourth quarter, and they got beat. So, like, they got to be going, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, what in the world is going here? Again, I think the Raiders are in preseason mode like everybody is. But... If you lose all these games in preseason mode, then when you get to playing to a higher level of football, you know, a month from now or whenever, you might have too many losses to do anything about it. Makes it a lot. Makes it very tough. Just Because, again, just because you get better, other teams are going to get better too. Like, we've been – isn't it something because – We've talked the whole offseason about how great the AFC West is. I mean, what happens if I don't even know who the Raiders play this week, but let's say what if the Raiders start out one and three or 0 and four and the Broncos struggle with their first year head coach because that cat is getting hammered? I mean, he is getting hammered. So it's almost like we built that division up so high. That it's almost guaranteed to let us down. It's almost guaranteed to be a disappointing division. And kind of off to that start. I mean, I think the Chiefs are kind of who we thought they were. We'll see. I think the maybe a little better, we'll see. But, again, it's, it's very early in the season. Um, and I think the Chargers are kind of who we thought they were. We'll see. Still very early in the season. But um, I picked I picked not knowing what to do, I picked the Broncos last in that division just because they had it was too much newness, too much first year stuff, too first year play caller, first year head coach, first year defensive play caller. That's a lot of questions it was just too many question marks. And the Raiders, boy, they got some question marks themselves now. So I don't know, very interesting the way um again i don't know that we know a lot about these teams but when you have a 23 to 7 advantage whoa and you lose it and you're zero two hmm and it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to overcome that because you're gonna lose games down the stretch as well all right let's go to the game hotline hello
5: hey good morning kev how are you today good morning I did not get a chance to call yesterday on a therapeutic Monday, but
4: uh,
5: <clears throat> I probably uh, still was trying to get my emotions in check anyway after, after, um, after that loss. Um, but, but, you know, going forward and, and I get the preseason mode um, analogy, but, um, you know, and I hear people talking about, uh, you know, one sack in two games and uh, concerns here and there. If this offense doesn't get in gear, uh, Soon, we're going to be in big trouble this year. I mean, we we flashed for a little bit of the Atlanta game and, you know, just a few plays in in Tampa Bay, and I'm starting to get kind of worried. uh, Well, I feel
1: better about it after week two than I did week one just because you got to better run the football. Like, I was very encouraged with – how I didn't think they could run the ball. They haven't run the ball in Tampa unless until they got until they had the lead late in a while. Like Tampa's got it. I think everyone has forgotten. Tampa's got it. Y'all, everybody. There's so many QWs in this country. They think they really buy this garbage that it was all Brady. Like the the, the Bucks defense is better than Tom Brady is offensive. Oh no doubt. And, and so no doubt. this is an elite defense. That they faced, they ran the football. If 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 Superman doesn't fumble, they were running the ball right at him with Dwayne Washington.
5: No, I get it. You know, but I mean, I I was
1: I was very encouraged with the running game. I I didn't even I didn't even think that was possible. What they did. Well,
5: no, but but and again, I may be wrong on this, but I think the reason we were able to run the ball. and I hate to say this was because Camaro wasn't in because when he's in, he's he's the focus, you know, And I think they kept expecting the saints to to throw on when they when they ran. and 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 you know to to the credit, and boy, look, I tell you what i I, I still do not like Cesar Ruez. I still don't like Andres Pete, but they did open some nice holes for for uh, for ingram and 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 like you said, Washington and um and i totally agree i think you know we, we talk about the brawl and and obviously that was i still can't you know wrap my head around it but um the turning point was definitely ingram's fumble i mean if he if he doesn't fumble there i i firmly believe we go up and 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 we take control of that game but uh but uh, you know i am concerned okay so he, he, here's wanna... here's my
1: concern okay. with, with Jameis Winston and it's the same concern I yeah. had from day one he yeah he's got to be able to get more comfortable with underneath passes they yeah there's yeah. going to be time there's going to be times to throw deep and I think he's I think he's in preseason mode right now and I think if he stays healthy and continues to play he's going to connect more on those deep passes it, That's a preseason mode thing. I'm not worried about him connecting on deep passes or missing some deep passes, Sonny. I'm not worried about that at all. What I'm worried about is he's got. They've got to be able to throw to the tight end and throw to the backs and throw. They they got to get Mighty Mouse involved. They got to do some of the underneath stuff. It can't just be just throw down the field all the time. That and, and he's got to get better at that. That's been my concern since day one with him, and it still is my concern.
5: Yeah, when Troutman has no targets in two games, no targets, no no catches in two games, you know, and and that's supposed to be you know tight end number one. It it's inexcusable. And and you know when Alave has more more targets uh, than Michael Thomas and and Jarvis Landry combined, that that's also a, a problem in, in my opinion. So I, and look, I saw I saw a lot of routes that were open underneath when he was throwing trying so hard to connect deep to Alave. Uh, uh, you know, you saw Michael Thomas wide open, eight, 10 yards. And, and that's what we have to hit. And then, then that deep ball will, will come after that. But what my question is this going forward, look, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I, I don't know how bad four fractures in your back can be. It doesn't sound very good to me. I, I wouldn't want to be trying to play football with that. But what I don't want is a situation that, where you had Aaron Brooks that was obviously injured and shouldn't have been playing quarterback, and yet you know Hasler refused to to put Jake in at that time. And I guess that you know at what point do you think Dennis? Do you trust Dennis Allen enough to make the right decision if he has to rest Winston for a week or two to get the back?
1: I mean, I, well. again, I don't know people. We, we we hear all kind of people talking. I have none of us have any idea. About this medical situation or what? I mean, there is no way of knowing how uh, you know his overthrowing Alave a few times and all of that had anything to do with his back. I mean, we're just—it's total speculation. We're just talking in the wind. We have no idea what we're saying. Like, I no, heard a lot no. of people say, "None of us." I have no idea. People, I mean, like, I have no idea. Like, what? I mean, I don't think I could do it, but I'm not Jameis Winston. <laughs> I mean, I—I I, no. I have no idea. A- am I worried about Jameis Winston's long-term health? Even before we got that report, an hour before the game, I was saying he walks like an old man. It worries me. Like, is he going to make yeah. it through the season? I- 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 yes, I'm very concerned about his health, but I have no idea with this other this recent report that came out Sunday how that plays into any of it.
5: And, and that's the only reason that I that you know I felt like. Yeah, he 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 did throw some you know balls effortlessly fifty five yards in the air still you know, but I noticed a couple of times when he started to run, and it seemed like he definitely had the ability to run for a first down, but he seemed to be like pulling up like it was hurting him to run. Um, if that makes sense, you know, like it just didn't seem like that was you know. And I, I don't. And know, look, if that's that
1: was, the case, and, and again, he's got to be able if he can't run and there's no one there on third and two and slide and get the first down, then they need to think about it. If, that, if he really is not physically capable of doing that, then they got to think about doing what you're saying. I, but I have no idea if that's why he didn't do that. I mean, Breeze used to do that right. forever. It drove me crazy. Run and get the first down, idiot. Why are you throwing the ball? So, I mean, uh, this yeah, is not the first time we've seen think- that. But but if that's, if it's really a physical thing, then they got to think about it. He's got to be able to do that.
5: Well, all I know is we cannot. There, I mean, if we we cannot afford to, you, I can't believe we're in a must-win situation. And we we need three, to win this
1: cannot, game. Yes, we need to win this game.
5: You can't you can't go one and two in your division. But what an
1: awful! I'm not too much worried about the division thing. But 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 what? what, what I do not like playing an O and two team and they're at home. O and two teams playing at home are not a good scenario. Not a good no. scenario. That is a
0: bad, the only, the only bad,
1: bad circumstance cool game.
5: Bag packed for Lincoln, Nebraska, and he's ready to get out of Tampa, I mean, uh, Carolina. I as had well. that thought.
1: <laughs> that, that that gives me the most hope. You're right.
5: I'm hoping that's the <laughs> All right, case. Yeah. Thank Have you. A good day, buddy. You
1: too. All right. All right. Let's do this. We got to take a timeout, and we will get to Cody Juno talking Cajun football after. This time out on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.
0: Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Medicine season. Medicine season. Now, a season in which a college or professional sports team suffers a disappointing season due to injuries or fluky incidents, also known as paying the piper. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros want to remind you about the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse, $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or maybe 25 to Mabel's Kitchen. You can't win any of these great prizes unless you join the Game Clubhouse. So do so today. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. All right. We have with us Cody Juno. How are you, sir?
4: I'm good, buddy. How are you?
1: Well, I hope you got to see a little bit of it last night. I know we kind of knew what was going to happen, but the Astros clinched the division, so it's always good to see when your team gets to celebrate a little bit.
2: Oh, no doubt
6: about it. Uh, no, I was actually uh, able to watch the last inning or so, so saw that final strikeout and, you know, Kind of the, the amazing part, right? And I guess it's when you've done it for the last five full seasons and five times in six years. It was, I mean, there was some celebration, but you know, it wasn't a rush to field type moment. They just walked out, high five, handshakes, and let's take a picture.
1: It's funny how, isn't it? Don't you find it funny how all the supposed glass half full people told me that Dusty Baker was an idiot and he don't know he's gonna ruin the pitching staff and remember all that talk? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I do. I do. It's funny it, how as uh, glass half full. People don't believe that stuff. Thankfully, it, it hadn't it hadn't
6: come to fruition. Now, yes. the last thing on baseball. Uh, I know we've talked about it, but the
1: Astros have got to find a way to win the World Series. Well, it'd and, be nice. And that's just it'd be it'd you know. be nice. Yes, it, it it would be nice. All right. Uh, I guess could we use the word alarming, jarring? What 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 word would you describe the Cajuns' performance at Rice on Saturday evening?
6: All of the above, um, and also, should it have been that surprising given what we've seen in two victories, right? And and that's the area where, you know, winning ball games, and and, and Mike kind of talked about some of this yesterday, uh, where I do read some of it. I mean, winning covers a lot of things up, right? And so, uh, going in and let's let's said not just getting punched in i mean just absolutely getting your face crushed right a, a total blow um, you know knockout type punch performance and and so we'll see what it does moving forward but, it, but I think it clearly highlighted a ton of areas that have been issues for the Cajuns in, in 2022 so far
1: we talked about it a week ago that in the first two four quarters they played two really bad offensive quarters and two really good offensive quarters and so kind of like which one is it well i would argue they played four really bad offensive quarters at, at rice and so i i don't i don't know what the solution is like you know if you were going to say okay cody you're the, if someone comes to you and says cody you're you're the king you're the offensive guru give us your two best suggestions on what to do to, to kind of get the offense going a little bit, what what would they be?
6: Well, so I look at two things, right? Number one, the Cajuns ran a total of 43 offensive plays in a 60-minute football game. Rice ran the ball 44 times, okay? And so, I mean, the, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. To me, kind of watching it feels at least Saturday, and I get it, and, and you kind of asked Mike about this yesterday, and, and perhaps the game did dictate some of this. But I felt the Cajuns got away from the run way too early. I agree. Right? Almost, you know, come out, it didn't work, it just dropped it. And then all of a sudden would come back to it much later, and it didn't work, and just dropped it. I mean, only 15 rushing attempts, right? Again, only 43 plays. So the problem was obviously the offense was not out there converting and keeping the ball. But for me, it starts with that, right? Establish the run game. You have to be able to run the ball uh you know, we've, we've kind of, again, in my opinion, masked some of it. Well, it doesn't matter if you don't run it early as long as you can run it late when you need. And don't really buy into that, right? No. You need to be able to run the ball at all times then use the play action to your advantage off of that. So, for me, it starts with running the football, right? You obviously need more consistent quarterback play. You know, both guys have looked uh, good at times, and, and everybody was, I mean, Ben was 6 of 14, Chandler was 7 of 14, right? 38 yards and 76 yards, 114 yards total passing. That's not gonna get it done. But you know, so you gotta have more consistent quarterback play. But look, I was looking at this, Kevin. Um, The Cajuns, right? Michael Jefferson leads the club with 12 receptions. Johnny Lumpkin and Neil Johnson, seven and five, are next. Earl Rogers Jr. has four, or five, excuse me. Peter LeBlanc has two catches on the season. Right. Jacob Bernard has three catches. John Steven has three catches. Where are these wide receivers that we know we can make that we know can make plays? You gotta get some more consistency. In those numbers, right, or should I say lack of numbers, there's a number of drops right mixed in there. Yes. So for me, it's running the football, establishing a run, right? Really getting those offensive linemen all up and going. That to me, right, you said you made me the king, that's priority number one. And then number two, got to have guys on the outside step up and make plays, and and it's as simple as that because there were opportunities on some deep balls Saturday that were just, you know, credit the defender, but I like my guy better than their guy, right? And and that guy's got to make a play, and we haven't seen that consistently enough from what coming into the season was thought to be the deepest and most talented part of that offense.
1: i got to tell you, though, and and again, maybe I was just spoiled way too often by the glory years of, um, you know, in the Saints when Breeze was in his prime, but I, I like, I like, I like Jim and Joe plays where you just throw it up and you hope your guy makes it. But I like getting first downs in the passing game in the huddle where you throw the ball and the guy's open and he gets the first yeah. down, and it doesn't matter that he has to physically beat a defender that's draped all over him. I, I think that's more luck at well, half the time. I, I just, well, I, I just don't and, like and, that. That that's when your when your passing game is dependent on a covered receiver making a play. Yeah.
6: No, no, and, and and don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I mean, I follow that same category, right? Do so I think the Cajuns could probably do a better job of scheming some things to get folks open? Yes, but we've also seen them scheme things and, and plays not be made. Um, I'm with you. I don't like the 50-50 jump ball, but in the reality is with the size that the Cajuns have, they should be in a better position and not to win those if that's what we're going to continue to see. Um, but at the end of the day, right, the ability to run the ball at all times, right, get back to the running game, and then two, just making the plays outside. You know, that's that's what we haven't seen in my opinion.
1: I agree. I'm also not a big fan. Again, it can, anything can work, but I'm not a big fan. of second and two, and so second and two is a throwing down, and third and two is a throwing down, and fourth and two is a throwing down. I don't like that
6: at all. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would agree with you, right? Yeah. And there was, there was a, a sequence, right, where the Cajuns had actually were running the ball well and, then to your point, threw it on third down and threw it on fourth down, uh, down in the red zone, and it obviously didn't work out. Yeah. Um, but, again, I just think offensively, right, control – the ability to run the football helps you control the clock and keeps that defense rested. It gets your big bodies leaning on those other bodies, right, and, and then it just opens up more things in the passing game.
1: Again, we're speaking with Cody Juno. I, I, I talk a lot about the comparisons between the Saints and the Cajuns. I was worried going into this game in, in, in a lot of areas, but one of the areas I was worried about both teams was the rushing defense. Saints did a much better job than I expected. I still have concerns about the Cajuns' rushing defense. When they play physical offensive lines like a South Alabama, like a Marshall, are, how worried are you about their rushing defense?
6: I mean, the Cajuns gave up 160, well, 146 shorts on the ground, right? I think the rushing defense has played better. The problem for me, right, it goes back to this, um, and I, you saw the Cajun defense play better early, right? You, you know, again, not knowing, but game plan and, and making the calls, it did seem to stay in the kind of soft zone coverage, and Rice just did a good job uh, of sitting down. But when you look at the time of possession and the breakdown of what happened on Saturday, right? You know, the Cajuns are just three of 11 on third down over two on, on fourth down. I don't care, Kevin, how like when your defense stays on the football field, it's going to cause issues, right? Yes. There's going to yes. be problems. And that's what we saw. It was really, really humid down there Saturday. And I just think at the end of the day, because they were on the field for, you know, it seemed like the entire game, right, that they just got worn down.
1: Um, no, I think that's fair. That's right. With
6: with, with, the rushing, with the rushing defense. Now, we'll see what happens moving forward. But I think the Cages have done a good enough job two or three games in the season.
1: But again... Those last two issues we discussed gotta go hand in hand. Unless you're gonna have a super efficient passing game, which I don't see happening anytime soon, you have to be able to run the ball to protect your defense.
6: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, look, I just found it, right? Almost forty two minutes to seventeen minutes. That's just not gonna get it done as far as time of possession goes. Again, for you know, forty three offensive plays for the Cajuns on Saturday.
1: No, and there's some there's some people out there that want to throw down the field, throw down the field, throw down the field. But you can't just throw down the field, throw down the field all the time. It, it, running the ball also helps that process as well. It makes it makes your throws down the field a lot better chance of being successful if you run the football.
6: Oh, no doubt, because everybody's first step is up, right? Um, when you can get into that play action game, get those deep crossers across the middle, whether it's the tight ends or whether you know it's the receivers on the on the outside. Um, you know, and, then, and for me, the other thing, I, oh, I had one more thing, 10 penalties against Eastern Michigan, 11 penalties against Bryce, that's 21 penalties in two games, you're not going to win football games that way, right? And, and, and that's something that the Cajuns have absolutely got to get cleaned up, especially the post-play stuff, uh, but, but then the other things are procedural, right? It's formations, it's, it's lining up all sides, it's, you know, and, and so things that can all be corrected, but they've all got to be addressed.
1: And I don't want to go too far down this road because I don't know all what's going on. But both games, Coach Des in the post game pro- press conference, suggested that some things were going on that the officials did not take care of, and that led to a lot of that. In other words, he's not told he's not happy with his team, but he's not totally angry at his team because he thinks, as he said, you can only take so much. So I don't know what all's going on there. I'm just saying that's something to keep in mind with the whole flag stuff. I don't know. There's some. I don't know what's going well, on there.
6: Uh, look, regardless. Twenty-one over two games is too many. However, you
1: slice it. Okay, that's fair. All right, I want to get back to something else you said. Third downs. The truth of the matter is, the Cages weren't good last year on third right. downs offensively. They haven't been good in a long time on third down offensively. I, it's bizarre, really, that a team has won as many games as they have, and they're just not good on third down. I mean, I don't. Even, how do you even explain that?
6: Started. Started 4-4 against Southeastern on third downs, right? And the offense is humming, it's moving, it's picking things up. The are scoring. And then, you know, they finished under 50% in there. Um, I think we're we're right under 50% last week against Eastern Michigan. Clearly 3 of 11, you know, last week uh,
4: at Rice.
6: I mean,
1: some of it is because Billy was so... Willing to go for it on fourth down? there, there There's yeah, some no, of no, that, I, but I don't think no, that I explains think right. all of think, it. Yeah, I don't I think, think that explains of all
2: of that. It. Right? It's yeah. four
6: downs instead of three. I think the other thing, and Des said this yesterday, and, and I think he's right, um, and this doesn't explain the third down phenomenon, but it explains why the kids are a whole bunch of games. They were, for whatever reason, comfortable, and there was always this thought and feeling like, yeah, we're going to get this. And it, honestly, candidly, it almost happened Saturday, right? Uh, I, I will say this: that was not a hold, in my opinion, on Johnny Mumpkin.
1: No, I right? agree. I agree.
6: The Cajuns pick up that first down. I don't know if the Cajuns are going to score, but all of a sudden, correct me if I'm wrong. Louisiana kicks that point; they have the lead, right?
1: Yeah, they 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 were in position to do what they've done in a lot of games over the last two years. Yes,
6: and and, and that's and that is what's happened. And it, it didn't go, and then it, it spiraled out of control at, at the end, as, as just the, I think the defense was worn. But I do think it's that mentality of like. Now, it doesn't, again, it doesn't explain why they are so bad on third down. Um, but it, it, to me, it, it helps understand why they've been able to, you know, I'm going to use this word, quote, get away with it, right, way, way more often than not.
1: I've also heard, well, they get to play Monroe this week. But I, I think that's a bad statement, and here's why. Yeah, they had the one game that was a laugher, and they scored whatever, 70-something points. But the other three games in the last four or five years have been going down to missed field goals, and the last year's game was close. I mean, this idea that, oh, they're just going to go up there and get well against Monroe, I, I, I think that's, there's a lot of falsehood in there. There's a lot of fools going that.
6: If there's anything, right, let me back up a second. We've spent the entire offseason talking about the Sun Belt Conference and how it has positioned itself to be the best group of five league in the country, right? With the additions of, of the three schools and, and or the four schools, you know, coming in and 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 so we've talked a lot about that. And if you paid attention the last two weeks, you know that you better strap it up each and every week in this league. And, and so the Cajuns, I'm with you. It, it's not going to be an easy tour. Are the Cajuns a better football team? Are they a better program? Yes, yes, check. Going on the road to a team that I guarantee you has you circled on their schedule, right? At their place, second year head coach, they're more familiar with some of the things Terry Bob's doing. Absolutely. The Cajuns better be ready to go on, on, on Saturday, or they, or they could very well be in for a long night.
1: Yeah. And this, this, you know, you think there's some frustration now if they do lose in Monroe on Saturday, there's going to really be some frustration.
6: Oh, there's no doubt about it. Again, the Cajuns are a better football team. The Cajuns should, if they play, again, we, we talked last week about wanting to play just four consistent quarters, right? And We didn't see that on Saturday. But if the Cajuns come out and play Louisiana football, okay, they are the better team. They will be able to take care of the football, continue to take it away, which they've, you know, the, the, the rate of that they're taking away the football is tremendous. They're going to, they should win the football game. But they've got to go out and play. And understand that the other team's got eleven guys that put their pants on the same way, and, and, and so you just you got to be ready. I'm a firm believer now more than ever. You better be ready each and every week in the Sunbelt Belt Conference.
1: Look, this this turnover barrage they've been on that that that's la la land stuff that's not going to continue you can't keep forcing 3 and 4 and 5 turnovers every game no one does that in the history of the game like that's la la land stuff that's going to stop so they're going to have to start winning without turnovers and and they're one and one with forcing 10, ten turnovers uh, i mean two and one so that that's a little that's a little scary all right one more thing and then we'll let you go special teams have been a real strength of this team. I still haven't seen another made field goal, which I don't like. I am I, yep. I just don't like not being able to make field goals and, 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 or, and or attempting them. And then there was some, a lot of other snafus on special teams the other night.
6: So to me, the, the special teams issues uh, putting the field goal kicking aside, and, and to the point like, it was a 52-yarder. There was definitely the distance, you know, to borrow a phrase from Ricky Bustle, the towards was off. Um, We've seen what two field attempts, three.
1: Yep,
6: he's one for three, right? Like so, I, I don't have the volume of work to tell you if the Cajuns within you know, I, and I, again, fifty-two yards. I would not expect a college kicker to consistently drill those, right? The, the, the average. No, I'm kicker. fair. That's but fair. I yeah, seen, I have not seen the Cajuns, you know, really be in a position to to kick. Um. I, so again, I think the jury's still out there, just because we haven't seen Carson Stafford kick enough, in my opinion, right? Um, they said that the first punt was uh, a misdirection. But what I also saw more than I've seen over the past couple years, as far as Russell teams goes, uh, and, and you saw it actually kind of play out with the, the defense as a whole throughout most of the game, Cajuns mm-hmm. were missing tackles on Saturday. I saw a lot more missed tackles on Saturday than I've seen. Um, but even on the first punt, when they went back for a big return, that went to the wrong side of the field, right? So the Cajuns are covering the other side. There was a missed tackle that allowed that allowed Rice to get around the corner and get into that wall. So uh, for me, it's it's tackling. Like that was the issue on Saturday that I saw from down on the field that really stood out to me.
1: Well, again, if they win this game, it's not, you know, the end of the world won't be anywhere near soon. But if they lose this game, there's going to be some people that are going to swear that they can see it. So we'll we'll see what happens here. It's going to be uh, interesting. Hopefully the weather's good, and I don't—I hate games that start at 7. But they, I'll, they see, did I'll see you
6: about midnight on Saturday. Yeah,
1: exactly. Appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you very much. All
6: right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week.
1: All right, Cody Juno, Cajun sideline reporter. Got some things to fix. There's no doubt about that. We will take a timeout and be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs>
0: Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. Now seriously. After that is 2013, which I call
1: the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88 they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness, ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile.
0: We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back. Sometimes I do think that you know you may be right but some discussions I have with people I don't think that because I know they're wrong um let's um go tell you about the game hotline 7060111 if you would like to get in uh there's still a few minutes late uh available to do that um also want to remind you astro weekend giveaway there are kind of not much time to do that running out of time If you would like to, if you have joined the Game Rewards Club, you are eligible to win four tickets to the Saturday, October 1st game against the Tampa Bay Rays, as well as hotel accommodations and a tour of Minute Maid Park. Astro Weekend Giveaways, powered by Butcher Air Condition, La Marini in Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right. Uh, I said that we are going to review, for all the QWs out there, And for those of us, very few, that don't think football is really just a game of horse between quarterbacks, we're going to review it each week. And I got to tell you, I don't like the way it turned out this week. Uh, Not that it didn't make my point, because it kind of still does, but it, it just, the way I'm doing this, and maybe we can tweak it as we go on. In my mind, there are three levels of quarterbacks. There's the elite level the that middle level they're they're pretty good but they're not elite and then there's like the bottom third like the lower level of quarterbacks that's how I'm kind of judging this um and look I, as we go through them if you say well you're wrong on that certainly and p- call me out and we can discuss it i don't i don't uh i'm trying to be as and again i thought i went overboard last week uh to the qw side uh by the way Last week, the quarterback, it was 7-7-2. Seven, seven, and two. There were seven games where the superior quarterback won. There were seven games where the inferior quarterback's teams won. I mean, how did that happen? How did that happen? I don't know. And then there were two games that I said that were draws just because you had two quarterbacks at the same level. Well, the way it worked out, unfortunately, this week is I had eight draws. It was like it's just the way the matchups were, there was just a ton of quarterbacks that I think are, I would say, are on the same level. So, again, if you think I'm wrong on this, tell me, and we can tweak it if you convince me. The way I have it is there were five games where the superior quarterback won. There were three games where the inferior quarterback's team won. And then I have eight, which I hope it's not like that every week because that's just too many from what I was hoping, but it, it looked that way. For instance, um... Chargers-Chiefs, I mean, those are both elite quarterbacks to me. I, I just, you can disagree, but I, I think they're both elite quarterbacks. Um, Jets-Browns, Brissett and Flacco, they're both bottom-level quarterbacks, so that's the same. Now, this one, what do you think? Carson Wentz and Jared Goff? Do, am I wrong there? I mean, I, I thought that Mo... I kind of think that most people have both of those in the bottom third of quarterbacks in the league, Wentz and golf They were both drafted real high, but does anyone have them in that middle ground? I, I don't think so. Obviously, Tampa is a the superior quarterback one. Um, Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones. Remember Dan- Baker Mayfield? This is why I'm mad at ba- Baker Mayfield, by the way. I thought – um, for him to call out and basically publicly ridicule the Giants for drafting Daniel Jones out of Duke as if he's some hot shot guy who's so superior to everyone that he could publicly ridicule the, uh, the Giants for drafting Daniel Jones 8 when he was a third-round talent getting drafted number one overall. What a complete jerk idiot move that was but anyway uh who are you and what you are is a but in my mind they're both bottom third quarterbacks I mean I don't know if y'all disagree with that or not and so uh you know you know the another interesting Mitchell Trubisky and Mac Jones I kind of both have them in the bottom third does anybody think those are Elite quarterbacks or that level right underneath elite. I don't think Mac Jones has done enough to be at that level. So it just worked out. Uh, and then there's then there's like Tua. Tua beat Lamar Jackson. I have Lamar Jackson in that that elite level. Tua's not at that elite level. That was one of the three games where the quarterback who wasn't at that elite level wasn't in the game of horse uh, won. So it, it, it does happen. And by the way, the um, The Falcons, I mentioned earlier the Cardinals-Raider game. Man, the Falcons scared the Rams. Yeah, I think some Ram fans, I didn't see that game, but that game got way closer than it should have gotten. Way closer than it should have gotten. Wow. The other one that was kind of tough, and I I put it in the, um, I think Kyler Murray is not as is in that level just under elite, and I think Derek Carr is under that le- level, just under. They're not at that elite level, but they're not in the bottom third level either. So, again, if you disagree with any of my assessments here, tell me, and we can certainly tweak it, but uh, the way the way that I see it is, was 5 three, 8 so the two-week total is 12 times the, the superior quarterback is one 10 times the superior quarterback has uh, the inferior quarterback has won. that's too close for the Qws to be right and um 10 times it you know it was it was the same level of quarterback so that doesn't um, in, you know so it's 12, 10 10. And that's not a game of horse so far, folks. Got to tell you, it's just two weeks though. So remember, we're still in the preseason. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Finish out today's show next on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. So, um. We talked a little college football with the Cajuns with Cody. We talked some Major League Baseball with Michael Schwab and going over the Astros, clinching the AL West division title. Um, Talked a little bit about the Braves-Mets race in the NL ESPN division. And so lots of that uh, going on, a lot of different things. Talked some NFL as well today. Tomorrow we'll be talking with Koki Riley, as we do each week, about the LSU win. What a big win that was. You know, there was a lot of – A lot of uh, Demoyed football fans around here because a lot of them are Cajun fans and a lot of them are Saints fans, but also, obviously, a lot of LSU fans as well. So they were more mixed. Like, that was a huge win for LSU. I didn't think they'd win the game. Koki didn't think they'd win the game, and yet they won the game. There were so many questions, and it just seemed like on paper there were fewer questions with Mississippi State than there were with LSU, but um, a huge second half by the Tigers, and, and, and they got a, a, just a big win. And so um, LSU was in the situation, Mississippi State, where they played, you know, had a bad game that was frustrating and then had some good football. But this was kind of like, okay, this can kind of get you ahead of the game or you feel like you're playing catch-up. Similar type situation for the Saints and the Cajuns as LSU was in at that Mississippi State game. Yeah, there was, you know, the Cajuns ended their long winning streak, but it it was kind of ugly, and there was actually a little ugliness in some of the first two wins as well. And, okay, so here you start in conference. Let's get it going. Well, the Saints, there was a lot of ugliness in the first game, and yet they won, and then some good things and a lot of ugliness in the second game as well. And so do you really want to start out wanting mean, So this – I think the Cajuns going to Orneville – I'm sorry, the Saints going to Orneville and the Cajuns going to Monroe, very similar to the kind – it's on the road instead of at home, but very similar to the kind of matchup. It seems that it's early, but it seems like it's a big swing game. Like if if you win it, you feel like, man, we got a chance to be what we were hoping to be. But if you lose it, then you feel like you're behind the eight ball. I mean, if LSU would have lost to Mississippi State, they'd have felt like they were behind the eight ball, I think, the LSU fans. And I think that's the same way the Cajun fans are going to feel and the Saints fans are going to feel if they lose this this weekend, Saturday in Monroe and Sunday in Arnaville. So huge, 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 huge games for both, uh, for sure. All right, appreciate Cody coming on and Michael coming on and, uh, you know, kind of enjoying the Astros while the Saints in the background. Y'all have a nice day.